It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. I personally believe Vince McMahon never wanted to get rid of the XFL. I've talked to multiple people from different sides within the XFL that are around the XFL. And I think Vince McMahon was spooked by the pandemic because it was going to affect the WWE. You are listening live to Quick Kicks, a presentation of Third Down Gamble. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Don Charbon with Pat Mooney tonight, and it's just the two of us. Heath, other obligations to do with work, sadly COVID-related, but everything goes well there. Yeah, you never want to hear that. All the best, Heath. Let's start. Pat, what do you think of the uh, 2021 revised CFL season attempt so far? Well, you know, I'm a fan just like you are, and, and I absolutely want to see the CFL get a season going. I, I know we've spoken to this numerous times, but I, I, I think this August timeline that they've announced is a, a reasonable timeline, given that they have to have some kind of start date. Do I believe 100% that it's going to start in August? I think that remains to be seen because there's lots of different variables. We'll probably talk about those later. You know, the, the one thing I guess I, I have some concern about, and, and we've both spoken to this before, is the CFL playing games in November, December, particularly in the prairies, where it's, it's going to be cold. You know, you've spoken to that many times about the temperature, but if we're pushing into December, there's going to be regular season games in early November to mid November and then moving into playoffs. I don't think the fans are going to flock into the stadiums the way that they would if the season were a little bit earlier. Why do you think that the CFL as yet hasn't come up with a firm schedule? It's been a few weeks now. Well, a good question, but I think, again, it goes back to the too many variables that we spoke to earlier. I mean, we saw this week BC's medical health officer has yet to kind of okay the plan in BC. When the season comes, even if the plan has been okayed, all the medical health officers across the provinces hosting the CFL are going to be needing to make a decision on what it's going to look like there. The other variables would be vaccine timing availability. We see different provinces moving at different levels. Right now, I'm hopeful that the province we're in, Saskatchewan, will be in a place where by August, hopefully, we can have some of those things in place. But again, that remains to be seen if you're going to get clearance where people can come into the stadium. The return of crowds is an absolute must for the CFL. We've spoken ad nauseum about the fact that it's a gate-driven league. So that variable certainly counts if we can't get crowds in. And then... As we've spoke to before, there may be some teams that have to start on the road and which teams may have to start on the road uh, and for how long is that feasible. So the league has a lot of issues that are still unresolved at this point, notwithstanding even TSN. What other things is TSN going to be broadcasting? They've got to make sure the schedule works if they're going to be putting it on television. Uh, the rental use of facilities was negotiated for a different season, so now it's going back to each one of the owners of facilities and talking to the cities, talking to the owners and saying, okay, how do we use this? How do we make sure we're still allowing other users in if they are in fact going to be there? Is high school football or college football going to be using some of the stadiums? Those types of things are a lot of negotiations. So I, I don't think you can throw that out quickly when there's so much in flux. Do you think the CFL would ever get to a point where maybe to get a deal done with the provinces... Everybody coming to a game has to be double-dosed? Yeah, I, I, I do. I don't think that's an unreasonable request, particularly when we start. 
I think, proving it. You know, I, I guess there'll be someone who's probably going to challenge that. Even though I don't have doses, are you, are you discriminating against me because of my beliefs? But I think the majority of people should probably have those doses to be able to feel that they're safe. We talked about before the liability of an organization bringing people in that potentially could, worst case scenario, die of COVID. I'm not sure they want to do that. So they're going to do whatever they can to ensure safety of people. We've talked about a gradual return where maybe it's a third of season ticket holders move for each one of the first three or four games and a half, whatever that is determined. And that will vary in each province again. Worst case scenario, the CFL doesn't get a green light, can't play this year. What's the impact? What's the short-term impact? What's the long-term impact? Well, I think the short-term impact is certainly financial for the league. They have a television contract that's going to be not honored for the second year. So I think that impacts too. Your your revenue that the league has is is put on hold again. So financial impacts on the league would be significant. You'll have some fans, they have a certain amount of discretionary money. And if they haven't been able to put it into the CFL for a few years, it may lose some momentum for those people that aren't long-term fans. Some of that discretionary fandom, if you will, that, that would use that money to come to the odd game, they may stop thinking about the CFL. So I think that's, again, a, a relatively short term, but the long term certainly is the viability of the league. And can the league survive two years if they lost a significant amount of money last year running a second year where everyone is hopeful for a season, including the players, they're going to have the potential to lose a good deal of money and potentially make the league and I won't say irrelevant because I think it's always going to be relevant, but not be able to operate for lack of funds. Some of the owners may opt out. There may be people who lose the connection that they have to the brand of the CFL. When we think about the CFL right now, we think of the players that we remember from the 2019 season. Some of those will move on. And I know that's always been an argument. Players will move on. There's a lot of turnover. We're going to find new people that we love because they're going to come in. And if we're playing games, we'll We'll find the next big receiver or fantastic defensive player that we'll we'll align to and and see them as fans. But I think it does impact that generation who's becoming a long-term CFL fan and maybe are not committed to the CFL for the sake of the CFL. So those discretionary fans, that 20% of the people that fill the park, 30% in some places, maybe even 50% in some of the CFL franchises, where they're going to potentially have the ability to start moving money elsewhere. I think of Saskatchewan, if the rush were to play in Saskatoon this winter and the CFL didn't go, you're going to have people that are going to use their money to buy season tickets there instead because it's a league that's moving forward and so they opt to put their money there. And if they don't have a lot of discretionary money, the CFL may lose some of those fans. Is there a possibility of contraction, losing franchises? Well, we've seen that happen in the CFL in the past and and I think there are Maybe some owners, I guess the question would be, can or they, they sell or not? Because when they sell, they're going to want to recuperate any losses that they may have from the loss of the 2020 season, 2021 season. Can you actually, if you've got, let's just use an arbitrary number of $15, $20 million of debt, and you're going to try to sell the franchise for what you believe is the value, it may not correspond. So is there a possibility of contraction? I would think so. Would I say it it has to be i i hope not we we've talked before about how many of the owners have deep pockets other teams that are community owned i think have a strong following probably more so than some of those 
where the example would be BC, where we've talked about, you know, David Braley, I think was fantastic for the league. He upheld BC, but he didn't put a lot of money into marketing and that lost those generations of fans. So I think you may have some areas like BC, we know will be for sale at some point. So how do you sell something when it's coming in with a lack of long-term commitment and the potential for the league to be in dire straits as well as a significant amount of debt. That's a tough sell. We've chronicled the CFL, XFL talks. Those discussions have captured social media. What do you make of this? When we've talked about CFL, XFL, we know that, to go back to the original phrase of talking about talking, so much speculation has gone beyond that. Is it merger? Is it this? And I guess... If you're looking for those long-term fans, do they need to fear something? I think if if we are talking merger, yes. Long-term fans are tied to a game that has a certain set of rules. It has national players that they can relate to. It has, you know, a different clock. And that uniqueness of the CFL game, I think, is something that all long-term fans love, are committed to, and would be wary if the XFL-CFL were to move to a merger point. I know I listened to your podcast with Mark Perry, and and I guess that left me more hopeful in the fact that he didn't necessarily see a full merger. Uh, My hope, and we've discussed this before as well, is that it's maybe more so taking a look at the business model or the marketing and potential to have the CFL gain even more of a market share down in the United States. The XFL is certainly trying to recapture that portion, and uh, I think... If the season fails, then I think merger probably has to be on the table or potential sale. If there's franchisees who want out, the owners want to to sell, I would see Redbird as being a potential. But having said that, Redbird hasn't made any bids on the teams to date. They could have probably talked about just buying BC. They didn't. The fear is losing what you've known, what you've grown up with, what you love about the game and that's the uniqueness for me of the Canadian football game not just the CFL but the game itself because the CFL is what young players aspire to move to and the NFL certainly there's some Canadians who may go to the NFL as well but if you grow up in Saskatchewan you're going to watch the Riders you're going to probably aspire I'd love to play in that league with the Riders or someone else I want the opportunity right and you've got players that you relate to who are Canadian who actually may come coach you in you know university fields or stadiums or summer camps and and so it's for me as a player when I was young those are the people I looked up to I could talk about the receivers that actually were on the CFL I saw them on TV and they were there coaching me and maybe I have a chance now I mean if you saw me play certainly that wasn't the case but uh, you know uh, hopefully young Canadians are aspiring to that and if you lose the nuances of a Canadian game then I think we can get caught up in the machinations of the NFL and a different game, which changes our culture. I live in small town, Saskatchewan. We, we run a, a six-man football league. It's, it's part of the culture of a lot of small towns to have football in their high school sports, to play these games that are still tied to the Canadian rules, even though it's six-man instead of 12. There's variances and nuances of the game that change. Those players want to move on to the next level, whether that's junior football or college football, if they're strong enough players to move there. And then the next ones, you aspire to move beyond that to the CFL and in some cases the NFL. 
I just would really worry about losing that ability for Canadian players to find something that they want to move to. There's been an accusation that there's been a lack of transparency from the CFL. Gary Lawless, the latest to chime in on that. Why the silence? Why not say something? Or what do you fear by saying something about these discussions? It's tricky to answer that because when you talk about transparency, we know the CFL is a gate-driven league. The fans want to know what's going on as they do in any league. Keeping people informed of a process helps keep their interest in the game, particularly when we're not on the field, we're not playing. So we're in this year-long pause, if you will, where we've had lots of discussions about what-ifs. But if you think of it from a business perspective, transaction standpoint. Businesses don't typically disclose internal discussions and the details of what they're doing with their stakeholders. And if you think of the fans of CFL teams as stakeholders, uh, I mean, do we want to know what's going on? Absolutely. Uh, Has there been lots of speculation about what potentially could be going on? Yep. Yeah, you're right. Social media is blasted off and, and the CFL news people are making a lot of interest in what they have to say by by speculating about where things go. But truly, I guess I'm somewhat impressed by the fact that they aren't saying anything because that, that confidentiality of negotiations is important when businesses are moving in, in a direction if they're looking to actually merger or even if they're looking at revamping a whole business model or revamping a marketing You don't want to come out and say, okay, here's exactly what we're doing and provide blueprints to others or have people give the feedback until you feel fairly confident that you've reached something that you can actually disclose. And when you first start talking, whether that's any negotiation, we don't come out and say, here's what we're all putting on the table right now. That's just not feasible. So I think sometimes we have to sit back and say, yes, this is business. At the same time, it's of interest to all the fans. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. In the league offices, at least from information I've received, the term merger causes people to bristle. Is it because that's not what's really at stake or is it because that term is hitting too close to home? I think the term does hit close to home for Canadians because we as Canadians often feel that, okay, if we merger, we're going to be on that losing side, right? We know that there's more people in the United States. We know that there's more corporations, potentially more funding. And if we merger from a, a, you know, a smaller population with maybe not the same government backing and or corporate backing, that Merger scares us thinking we're going to be on the losing end of a merger, more of a takeover as a true partnership merger. And and so for me, that's the fear I think most people have when they hear merger. We're going to be playing four down football. We're going to take all the rules of the NFL and or college or something that's hybrid off of those and lose the uniqueness of our game. So for me, uh, I think that's where both the CFL and the fans all bristle at the idea of merger because we think loss as opposed to what can be gained. It's highly unlikely that the XFL is going to play in 2022. If the CFL is able to play in 2022, should they maybe think about starting way earlier in case that term merger is in the 
offing for 2023? It comes back to where our negotiations or discussions at that point in time. I mean, if we know that the leagues are heading towards a merger, then, then I think it would make sense at that point to try to align if that's where it ultimately is going. If it's not, I don't think the league should move. I think they could move earlier by three or four weeks. I think we could get out in November and have the playoffs at the end of October or early November as opposed to mid to end of November. Um, and I think that would be doable. But I, if it's about the CFL maintaining its own identity and it's not a merger situation, I don't think you want to change everything in terms of the location of the season. You could just move forward a little bit. You could see how summer football goes because you'd be starting maybe with your league play right at the beginning of March instead of camp at the beginning of March. If that's feasible, I think you could play with that. But I, I don't think the CFL has to start its season earlier if there isn't a merger on the table at that point in time. How much time does it take to negotiate something like this? They're not litigating in court. I don't understand how such, and they're essentially small entities, take so long to come together to either say we're going this direction? Well, I think the pandemic certainly plays into that. Nobody knows what football is going to look like going forward in both the XFL or, or the CFL. So when you're dealing with unknowns, it's harder to have a negotiation. Again, it may just be a totally different partnership. We may all be reading way too much into what's out there. Right? Our pundits are throwing these things out. They're saying there's been talks of these. And I would think that they probably have explored all these. But which ones are the serious roads where negotiations are leading down? Is it truly only about business partnerships or setting you know, um, player caps or the distribution of money? Or what are we talking about? Is it marketing? Is it trying to get into larger audiences, if you will, or, or larger uh, population zones with your product? If it indeed is something that has to be rolled out right now? Or, or is it just a, more of a partnership where we're aligning ideas, we're sharing resources, we're looking at what we can do to benefit football as a whole or individual players that might move between leagues? All of those things are still options that are out there. So um, would we like to see a result? Yes. But let's say, for example, they come out and say, all we've been talking about is marketing, we're done. And they could give us the specifics of marketing. Then... Does it really matter when that comes? Right? I, mean, I I don't know that it does. If we're truly talking about a merger, then you do want to make sure all your ducks are in line before you come out and say, yes, we are talking about a merger. But there's, again, that wide variety of things that we could be talking about, and, and we won't know until someone comes forward and says, we're going to use a parallel business model, or we're going to talk about switching players between our, we are actually talking about having a, a game between the two leagues or a series of games whatever it is that they come down on but does there have to be a timeline i don't know that there does how important is the spring leagues ratings on fox to spring football and to the xfl the ratings right now are going to impact a little bit the, the xfl i assume wants to play in spring fox has picked this up and we start to see ratings take off the xfl is going to have a harder time getting into that marketplace Having said that, I think it's it's good to see football on TV. It's good to see additional players getting a chance to play. The Spring League initially, as as I learned from Mark Perry, was used to trial some of the rules that the XFL played with. So it was seen as that step under. But now that the XFL is not active, 
it has an opportunity to potentially take that step up and be the next area. So, I mean, it could. I think it could impact the XFL competing for that spring league. Fox Broadcasting, if it's successful, there's limited sports on TV right now and people may want football. It might give them the opportunity to say that spring football is viable, but the XFL can't wait too long to get back into that or they're going to lose their place in that market. If the CFL stays where it is and we're not talking merger, I don't see it personally impacting the CFL, but I do think the ability to have this 2021 season is crucial for the CFL. If spring football takes off and Fox corporate sponsorship step in, it leaves the XFL out in the cold a little bit. Well, the XFL is going to be coming back at some point. And if you're going to be merged partner or having a joint marketing agreement, you're going to have to come to some resolution before they start moving toward their next season. If any of those things are on the table. I mean, if it's just about, uh, you know, being able to share resources or being able to share information so we can look at two different leagues in two different countries and, and ways that we can help one another. Because, I, I mean, let's talk about the CFL and the way that it works and aligns with our youth sports, um, local teams, the junior football. There are some alignments. Now, those leagues aren't big money leagues like the XFL or the CFL, but certainly there's alignment there. Why would you need a non-disclosure agreement if you're just talking about marketing. Valid point. There's probably more to it, but again, it might be about trying to maintain the confidentiality and exclusiveness of the negotiations regardless of what they are about, right? You don't, again, want to put all these things out until we're clear on what it is we're talking about. And they obviously are talking about something, right? But again, we're still speculating on what it is we're talking about. The non-disclosure may be on the fact that we're actually laying our books out. The CFL is showing their business model. The XFL is showing their business model. They don't want that information to be in the hands or uh, media because then, then the truth comes out, which may be not beneficial for one or the other league. If all of these talks end up as much ado about nothing, what do you think will be the result for the relationship between the CFL and the XFL? It will be interesting to see what that relationship becomes because I think they're going to be competing for some of the same players, right? The players coming out of college who want to stay in the United States, stay close to home, the players that the CFL would traditionally have or want, um, and, and the funding between the two, the funding would then become adversarial in the fact that they're trying to bid on players. So, I mean, that, that relationship, I don't think you necessarily want to go there. You want to find some kind of ground between the two leagues that maybe can share the business plans, maybe can share the marketing and, and even be a venue for players to move back and forth without feeling that they're being pilfered from one league to another or we have to outbid on a player. We've talked before and I've spoken at nauseum about business models marketing. Hopefully there is some sharing of information there because I think any organization that wants to improve is going to continually look at those business decisions around the business model, how much money we have, how we use it, or the marketing of our league to engage the fans, to engage companies that are willing to sponsor and do those things. So if there's something to be shared there and the league can find an alignment where the leagues maybe aren't competing for the same players and you've got a spring league that ends or, or barely moves into the CFO where people could potentially move across and develop better players. You know the NFL is also going to be looking at those players as well. The relationship is going to be one where both are trying to succeed, where both want success in football, where they can take a look at giving college players the venue to continue with the sport that they love. 
I think we as Canadians are often guilty of taking a look at the United States and saying, you know, American sports seem better. It seems like Americans value their sports more. They have more population. It's certainly been a focal point for Americans when you look at high school and college programs and the amount of money that they put into that infrastructure, as well as the amount of business support and community support and government support that they have. With more people, they can do more of that. And the Americans, I think, often do a better job of hyping their sports. In the CFL, we sometimes get guilty, and I've been there too, of saying, oh, this league, it always does this, or it's a negative, where the Americans tend to talk about their sports in grandiose terms. Baseball is not the American championship, it's the world championships. When we talk about the final game of football, it's the Super Bowl. I think sometimes the Canadian sports and culture are so closely intertwined, where In the U.S., it's not necessarily about the culture. It's about the sport as a whole, right? And hyping that sport and saying, this is a fantastic thing and we've got the best athletes and we'll continue that. With the XFL-CFL relationship, I hope that we don't get into that this league's better than that league. It's more about how do we support one another to continue to promote the game of football, allow players opportunities, and have good competitive and entertaining football being played in both places. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble podcast. Audio worth watching.